Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a Tuesday afternoon edition of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am not watching any of Media Day stuff because it's actually bad, and I can't do any more of it this week. It's too much. The clips are already overwhelming me. It's it's a lot going on, but basketball is right around the corner which is a great great thing uh my i didn't have enough sports to watch ty uh, on a weekly basis so i'm glad that the nba came back with college football the nfl and major league baseball postseason all uh, all taking shape so i'm excited to do nothing but uh watch and podcast about sports for the next four months apologies to the sports renaissance woman ty good afternoon sir how are you I'm great. I'm great. I'm right there with you. For me, I'm more just locked in on the NBA. So I unfortunately was attuned to a lot of the media day. Media day is always silly season. It was depressing silly season this Mm -hmm. year with some of the stuff happening. But for me, getting to dip into some of the other sports this last month or so, it's just fun. It's like refreshing. It's like, oh, yeah, this is what watching football is like. I feel like I was so obsessed with the Bucks. Obviously, there was a lot of really fun Bucks content to take in for quite a long time. Still is, um, but getting to kind of you know, it's like coming out of a cave for the first time in months after the finals and free agency and everything. So glad that the other sports are on. Also glad that the NBA is just about back. Yeah. Oh, so you just like once the NBA is back, those are all going on the back burner. You're not you're not dialed in on Sundays or Saturdays or what's going on in October in baseball. No, I mean, I, I cheer for the Saints, okay. so it doesn't seem like I'm going to need to be that invested in football this year. No, they're good. Um, Saints might they're, be good. They're 2-1. They're, 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 they're Jekyll and Hyde a little bit, but I mean, they, yeah. they look good to me. I think the Saints are fine. I think they're fine, but with the Bucks in the division, I, I don't know if it's mm. going to be... Panthers too, undefeated Panthers. Yeah, the the Panthers beat them down. Uh, But the Brewers, the Brewers I'm going to have to stay tuned into through October. But thankfully, you know, that's not the busy NBA season. So it's pretty pretty easy to get both of those. Wait, so explain to me the the Saints stuff. The Brewers, the Bucks, Milwaukee, if the Green Bay Packers sitting right there, I don't don't compute this Saints aspect. I know, it's weird. It's actually the dumbest story of all time. It's Madden. My dad wouldn't let me play as the Packers because he wanted to play as the Packers so I had to pick another team so uh, funny enough originally I was using the Panthers because uh-huh. if you go one down from Packers it's Panthers but I was kind of just you know rudderless astray I'd never gotten to go to a game uh, a Packer game because living in Milwaukee is kind of far away and mm-hmm. certainly when I was growing up by far they were the best of the three so mm-hmm. you know the hardest to get a ticket for even aside from 162 and 82 versus 16 games a year and uh, it was right around 2005. So unfortunately, of course, the, the hurricane is so devastating to the area. And the narrative around the sports teams was like, well, the Saints might just leave. Like they might never come back to New Orleans. You know, there were the Dallas connections and everything else. And then Sean Payton and Drew, Drew Brees go there. And for the first time in my lifetime, at least that I remember, they weren't a laughing stock. Like they were good. They weren't great that first year, but they were good, all things considered. The first game back was was incredible, and I just kind of I jumped on that year and was just became a, a Saints watcher in 06 and have not all the way fallen off ever since. Even though you know football no longer my primary sport like it may have been back then, but uh, yeah, I've I've been a, a Saints fan ever since. So people people say, oh bandwagon fan, hopped on for the Super Bowl. No no no, started in 06, had a few years in, 
before that and now several several years since that interesting i i did i have not heard this this kind of tale before there you go uh when you said madden i was like oh you were just a diehard madden nation guy and uh you grew up on espn2 just diving in on on the bus and seeing who was who was cool and you were like you know there was this dude wearing the the aaron brooks saints jersey and i was like i'm in I, i i love me some aaron brooks saints football yeah, um, cannot say I'm no. a huge fan of Aaron. I, I like Aaron Brooks. I know a bit about him, but I wasn't mm. wasn't a fan of the team when when he was playing, which is probably probably the best for me. It was a better time for me as a Falcons fan. The JTO yes. Sullivan years, like if we can go back to that, that would be pretty cool. Or if they could start uh, Taysom Hill for 17 games, I would appreciate that. Those are all little things that I think Sean Payton should should usher in. Um, don't forget, folks, you can listen to Mr. Ty right here on the Guy Step podcast because we are a part of the same network, a great network, Blue Wire Pods. I am on my way through um, the Jeter uh, pods so i or excuse me not jeter griffey uh jeter on the brain um they're great the american prodigy series if you're not already go check those out brownstown all that good stuff but uh yeah i i've i'm burning through a american prodigy at the moment um just so well done they're they're great what did what, do you have a favorite of the of the two Ooh, you know, I I really got into the Freddie Adu one mm. uh, the the first year uh, with Grant Wall hosting, um, mm. just because I think uh, the Griff, like you said, the Griff, all the all the stuff that our studios teams, the the narrative content that they put out is tremendous. It really just shows you top notch stuff. You know the uh, yeah the the pods we like pods like the ones we do are great, but it shows you there is like a, a higher art form, right? It's mm. like they're like just YouTube- different. It's like YouTube versus HBO or any other TV versus HBO for that matter. Like there's just like, oh, you can see when you put all that into it. it, it it's just different. Different yeah. the way to put it. But, you know, I just I knew so much more about Griffey. I didn't know everything in the series, but he's just such a more known commodity to me. Mm-hmm. Not not following soccer. I didn't know that much about Freddie Adu. And I just felt like the story is, is so interesting. Like, you know, really what what did happen? I think we've all gone down a rabbit hole of one of these like the rise and fall of x type videos or Mm -hmm. in this case podcast series and i i just i really i got into it so yeah i'm gonna go with the first season barely but uh certainly both seasons are terrific absolutely and who can who people are saying that the guy step and uh the chase knows podcast are uh they're just there it's some great blue wire content oh, yeah. it, it's just oh, yeah. a different form of content it's exactly. uh, very different very different um and also go check out chasethomaspodcast.com if you have not already for access to all my previous episodes follow ty at ty windish with an s c your name will never be i'll never say it out loud and be comfortable with what i'm saying ty <laughs> i'm not gonna lie as someone i you could tell me 37 times and i would still uh be careful and i would still just be like am i Am I remembering that right? Did I did I pronounce it the right way? But either way, follow him there. Uh, subscribe to the Guy Step podcast if you're not already. Um, follow myself at Chase underscore Thomas and uh, subscribe to the newsletter at SportsRenaissanceMan.substack.com and leave this show and all the great Blue Wire shows a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Um, so we have some we have some buck stuff to get into this afternoon, Todd, because they're the defending champions. And it's kind of rare that um, I think this is true with the West and the East coming into the year where no one is expecting the team that made the finals the previous year to to go back to repeat. Um, A lot of people are pretty down on the Suns 
um, with another year older for Chris Paul running back the same kind of team um, for the most part. And then you have the Bucks running it back with very much the the same group of guys uh, outside of Forbes and Tucker, who we'll get into in a second. But um, what do you what do you make of the fact that like the Nets uh, health permitted or are the favorites and maybe that the, the Bucks are kind of being overlooked a little bit and the Suns are being overlooked a little bit. Are you surprised by that early season narrative? Uh, I'm not surprised. I mean, I'm a little disappointed. Honestly, I think the Suns folks have more reason to be upset because yeah, I think people are giving the Bucks some, probably not all the respect they deserve as reigning champs, but but some, right? You know, I think it's it's generally being acknowledged. And I think in most years, they probably would be looked at as the prohibitive favorites to go back, given, you know, Giannis, we just saw him play the best ball of his life, and he's only 26, doesn't turn, doesn't turn 27 until December. Um, so a lot a lot going for the Bucks. But I think Brooklyn is just like, you know, as you mentioned, permitting health. If, if they have all of Kyrie, Harden, and KD healthy, they're, of course, going to be the favorites. They have two former MVPs, their third best player probably is, is Kyrie, which is a pretty wild thing to say. Um, if if he's available to play, we'll see. I, I think probably he will be, um, at least non, non-health reasons. But you never know with Kyrie. But they're such a great team. I think they probably got a little better. I do think Jeff Green was kind of a sneaky loss for Brooklyn, but adding Patty Mills, Paul Millsap, potentially getting LaMarcus Aldridge back, it seems like they are. Um, James Johnson, whatever that's worth. Like they, they just have so many guys who can play. And you look at last year, the Bucks Nets series. Uh, the Bucks, I think, deserve to win, but certainly, you know, the Nets, Bucks, Bucks lose Dante, Nets lose Harden for half the series, Kyrie for half the series, and the Harden that does play certainly is not anything close to full strength. Harden and Joe Harris shot an abysmal percentage from deep, which seems to be kind of an issue for him in the playoffs. But um, yeah, the Nets are just really good, so I kind of get why um, folks are overlooking the Bucks a little bit, or I don't know, I guess. Just not paying them, not pegging them, I guess, the, as the the favorites in the East. But I think the Suns, like to me, I think the West is, is pretty uninspiring with all the injuries. Like I'm just, we don't really know, but I'm assuming we're not going to see at least normal, like healthy Kawhi for pretty much this whole season. I don't think we're going to see Jamal Murray. Clay Thompson keeps getting pushed back. It was Christmas. Now we're hearing like January or maybe even February for him even to just play again. And again, when a guy has been out as long as some of these guys have, um, especially Murray and, and Clay, not, not so much Kawhi, but it just takes a while to get back up to strength. I think Paul George is a good example of, you know, he was good again when he first returned from his injury several years ago, but really took him a year to get back to his real form. So I think without a, a top level contender, I'm kind of low on the Lakers. I think Phoenix should be looked at as having a, a pretty damn good shot to repeat. I think there's a lot of things going for them. I think they got slightly deeper too. And I, I do, I'm worried about CP's age. I think that's a good call out. But, you know, if Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson and DeAndre Ayton all get a little bit better and CP gets a little bit worse, I think they can be okay. Of course, if CP falls off, you know, a, a cliff, so to speak, that's a much different story. But, I think they're really good, and I think they they actually have a pretty good shot to get back to the finals. Although I wouldn't begrudge anyone for saying whoever wins this this round of Bucks Nets may be the one to go on and win the championship, like it was last year. You're uh, you're a little bit lower on the Jazz and the Nuggets than I am. 
Well, I, I just think without Murray, I, I don't know if the... Well, they're going to get him back at some point. Like, he's not gone. Yeah. Like, they're going to get him back, and now Porter's paid. They've they've locked in a lot of contracts. They're they're pretty set, and they're pretty pretty deep. I don't know. I, I cannot write the, the Nuggets off, but I still have the Jazz finishing first in the West, which I think will be important in them retaining Conley was huge. I mean, they didn't really have a, an alternative. If he walked, they wouldn't have been able to fit someone in under the cap and get somebody that would match what Conley brought. And if they're healthy, we, we've seen that they've solved regular season basketball in the pick and roll. But like, I, I don't know. I, I think the Jazz, Mitchell has another level. Conley, if he can stay healthy, I like I like what they did with Rudy Gay. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty optimistic about Utah and Denver. Um, but I'm with you on the Clippers and the injuries there and the Lakers with AD playing a bunch of five and just their age and Westbrook and how he fits in in a playoff setting. Um, I agree. I like, I'm a bigger believer in the Suns than I am the Lakers and the Clippers, which I, uh, I don't know if that's a, a hot take, but that is kind of where I'm at. But I do think a lot of it will come down to DeAndre Ayton too. Like, does he have another level? Because they took away a lot of his uh rookie stuff where it's like no 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 no. you're not doing any more of these 15 footers you're not doing any more of this freelancing on the block you're either rim running defending at an elite level which he was doing rebounding really hard uh rim running really hard dunking over dudes just like he was clint capella last year and it worked it was really good for the suns it was exactly what they needed but if cp go uh t- t- takes a step back and they need they need more because jalen smith looks like a bust from the lottery. They don't have a lot of room for air, a lot of margin for air as CP ages and Booker has to carry such a heavy offensive load and Melkel Bridges just being more of a, a three and D type guy. I don't know. I think uh, DeAndre Ayton's extremely fascinating to me. And if he can, uh, he can take the next step in his offensive game. Yeah. I think the way the jazz went out of the playoffs, just to me solidified my, my doubts of them, and it mm. wouldn't shock me if they ran off, you know, a conference leading amount, maybe league leading amount of wins again. I wouldn't expect it. I mean, I think some things rolled right for them in the regular season, um, but it could happen. I think they are, they are built to win a lot of games, right? Like good defense, enough offense. But I mean, you look at Gobert starts against Nick Batum as the opposing center, and I think the last three games he has like ten, ten, eight points in those three, and. Not that many rebounds, and it sounds reductive, just like a points per game. But you know, everyone focuses on the defensive end and wants to take away from his defense. I, I don't think his defense was the issue in that Clippers series, but I do think, you know, he's clearly not going to be as effective against a five-out team, right? Like even even if he's not terrible, he's not as effective. He's more comfortable when he can live down low defensively. That's where he's going to be at his strongest, even if he's a good switch defender. But I think offensively is the real weakness. Like, how can you be a, a, a franchise center up against Nick Batum at center and not able to dominate that matchup? You know, dominate the glass, score a lot inside. And I know Mitchell and, and Conley weren't 100%, but I don't know if they need to be 100% for him to, to do more against Nick Batum, who, good player, but people thought he was about to be out of the league when he was in Charlotte, and he's still not. He's not a center. He's not center size, even if he could play it. He's not Draymond Green down there, you know. If it's Draymond, I'm not. I'm not as upset. Nick Batum, good player, should not be able to shut down a six eleven or seven footer or whatever Gobert is. So I'm just skeptical of them as as postseason winners. I mean, to lose back to back games without Kawhi uh, on the other team, even with your injuries, like it's okay, sure, you know, Mitchell and Conley are banged up. 
The other team doesn't have Kawhi Leonard, so I don't think <laughs> they did have Terrence Mann Kawhi. though. They did have Terrence Mann, who they they made look like offensive Kawhi Leonard. I don't mm-hmm. know. I just I, I just I need to see that team go on a real a real playoff run before I can buy in anymore. I, I love them. After Donovan Mitchell did what he did in that OKC series, I was so on board. I was loving the Jazz. I thought they had a real shot to win the West last year, but I just hated the way that series went for them, and I just. I don't know if Mitchell is going to be enough for them. Maybe a fully healthy Conley it changes things, but uh, I'm a little low on them. I, I th- I'm a little worried about Gobert in the playoffs. That's fair. That's fair. They have a lot to prove, I, I yeah. think, and they have yeah. a lot of pressure. Huge year for them. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, they need to go ahead and scrap that black and white uniform they've been hitting at and that new uh, new look that they're, they're unveiling. So Dwayne Wade not up to a great start on that front um, because <laughs> – let me tell you, folks, the NBA does not need more red, white, and blue and black and white uniforms. We don't need any more. We, we don't need to do that. Uh, it's already becoming increasingly, uh, this feels like a y- old man yelling at a cloud situation, <laughs> but like it's already becoming increasingly more annoying to be on League Pass and not be 100% certain who you're watching, um, even when you flip to it. Uh, don't love that. So that's your... That will conclude the old man yells at cloud segment of this program, Ty. Uh, but actually, let's talk about the Bucks. Have we learned anything new about the team this week? Anything new from media day that kind of stood out to you? Um, I think for me, the number one thing that was uh, media day, and then I think John Horst did an interview with Eric Name at The Athletic before too. But I think that it was media day mainly that the quote came from really about big depth. Um, mm-hmm. they, they, they only have, I would say, three guys I consider traditional size bigs who are playable in Giannis, Bobby Portis, and Brooke Lopez. I mean, there's, you know, Thanasis and Shemi Ojale and some guys like that who are more like fours, three fours. I mean, Pat Connaughton even really isn't in that camp, I would say. Um, but but in terms of true bigs, and then if you want to, Sandro Mamukelashvili is on a two way. I, I don't I don't think he factors into their their real rotation yet, or probably ever. You never know. Uh, but I digress. Three legit NBA level proven bigs, and the question was asked about, you know, do you think there needs to be more size? So do we need more bigs? And basically, it sounds like there's going to be some more switching this year. And obviously, in the playoffs, they they did that a lot, and. It, it changed things for them and, and kept them in series and allowed them to win. But I, I think to me, it sounds like the, the Bucks are going to play smaller. They're going to switch even more than they did last year, which in the regular season, they didn't switch super often. And they weren't all that good at it because this team was so used to playing drop coverage no matter what. And I think that's probably a good thing. I still think we're going to see a lot of drop, especially when Brooke Lopez is in. But I, I, as much as I would still like another, another big on the roster, I think we're going to see a more, I guess, quote-unquote typical or quote-unquote modern defense from the Bucs that allows for even more switching. I'm curious to see what they do when Giannis is at center, if they, if it just depends on the matchup, if they prefer to switch, if they prefer to drop. Because I do think he can pretty much do whatever. And I do think he's going to be at center more this year because that was their big postseason revelation. Is you know As great as he was doing his best LeBron impression, handling the ball... They won the championship when he did his best Shaq impression and got down to the block and played center and dominated teams over and over. And they, they let Drew and Chris make his life easier by, you know, you don't need to clear 30 feet and three defenders. We'll get you eight feet away with one defender there. And it, it made things so simple for Giannis. 
So I think we're going to see more of that in the regular season. He's not going to start at center. I don't think he's going to play at center 30 minutes a night, but I think we'll see more of it, and we'll see the Bucks continue to try new things to be more variable in their approach, which is probably a good thing. I mean, they're, they're pretty new to doing some of these things. One year with, with Drew Holiday, you know, less than one year, switching as much as they switched to end last year, especially last postseason. So I'm intrigued to see, you know, how – how their defense is, but I do think it, it seems like they're going to be a little bit smaller and a little more switch happy. Interesting. Um, Rodney Hood or Grayson Allen, who who are you more excited about being implemented into this this rotation this fall? I'm going to say Grayson Allen on that mm. one, honestly. Um, I think he's a really good fit. So I think like the Dante DiVincenzo injury was a lot for overcome a lot to overcome for the Bucks. I think one of the bigger reasons was they just had no guard depth. Like it was Jeff Teague on the bench and then PJ Tucker slides in as a starter who isn't exactly a guard himself. Mm-hmm. And just having, you know, having Dante around to guard some of the opposing guards that the Bucks played would have been really helpful, even if he didn't give you that much on offense. And his offense is, you know, it, it comes and it goes. You know, at, the Bucks have tried to make him into like a secondary ball handler and, you know, starting two backup point guard kind of deal, like a combo guard. I haven't really seen it. I, I don't think he's ever really going to be uh, a 2-1, right? I think he's just going to be a 2. I don't think he's much of a combo guard. I don't think Grayson Allen is either, but I do think, like, given how much talent the Bucks have when they when the starters are out there with Giannis, Chris, and Drew – I don't think they necessarily need a ball handler with that starting group. It's always beneficial to have more on the bench. That's George Hill's role now. But in that starting group, like someone who can get to the rim if he's open, you know, the the three decisions when you catch on the perimeter, pass, drive, or, or shoot. Um, and I think Grayson is going to fit in well. Like I think he's used to being more of an auxiliary auxiliary player. I don't think he has designs of, of doing too much. And that's the issue with Dante is – when he does too much and it works, it looks awesome. When he does too much and it doesn't, it looks terrible and, and it's it's can get bad. I think having a more steady presence in Grayson is going to be really useful just as another option for the Bucks, another guy who can guard the twos and the threes of the world, which they just didn't have that many guys. They wanted to have do that uh, in years – in last year, I should say, specifically after Dante went down. So I thought getting him for Sam Merrill and some second-round picks and a trade exception used to facilitate the move – was really good business and a really nice option for Milwaukee going forward. Rodney Hood maybe is really good. I just don't want to get my hopes up because of the injuries. He's had such a tough time lately. So, I mean, I think if he shows up and looks like his his old self, that'd be huge for the Bucks. I just don't even want to bank on it because it feels unfair to him. A bigger loss, P.J. Tucker or Ben Forbes? Uh, P.J. for sure. Um, hmm. I think... You know, Forbes really, after he immolates the Miami Heat, although he didn't shoot that much better than his regular season percentage, obviously, you know, 60 points across four games, two more than Jimmy Butler, if anyone was asking, (laughs) uh, didn't really do much the rest of the postseason, couldn't really hit a shot. The thing about Forbes is when he's not hitting his shots, and he has this proclivity for taking, like, one-footed leaning runners from two and it's just like never just net please never do that like a three or nothing please Brent Forbes and it didn't happen often but it happened often enough but he just really wasn't all that playable after the Miami series and it felt like his his minutes after that were more often than not pretty painful in the playoffs and I just think in general 
some of the shooting specialist guys can have a hard time staying on the floor because there's so much pressure and it's just it's just less likely they're going to go in even if the points per possession is good sometimes you need sometimes a, a certain two is just a lot better than you know a pretty good chance at a three so losing Forbes is is fine I think they have more than enough playmaking or not playmaking more than enough scoring potential like if Rodney Hood pans out, I think George Hill is going to shoot a good percentage from three. Grayson Allen's been a good shooter. We'll see. I, I, we thought Jordan War was going to play. Now it seems like they're probably too deep, but he's been a, a, a flamethrower as well. P.J. Tucker, though, just a guy to defend the KDs of the world. and Obviously not going to shut down Kevin Durant. Nobody on earth can do that. But he was indispensable in that series. And I just think almost that matchup alone makes him the bigger loss because, as I mentioned earlier, you're almost certainly going to have to go through Brooklyn if you want to do anything uh, like they did last year, win it again. And I think PJ was huge in that. And now, you know, maybe Giannis does it more, maybe Chris does it more, but just having that option to throw at PJ, uh, at KD to tire him out over the course of a series was nice. So I think the Nasus Atetokounmpo might get some chances. I think Shemi Ojale might get some chances over the regular season to prove they're up to it. But I do think the Bucks will be looking for another wing defender who they can try and use sometimes on Durant like they did with PJ. Sorry, Solomon Hill is not available. Ty. What? Solomon Hill? Meh. I don't know. He he, he wow. was flummoxing me. He was wow. flummoxing me during mm. Hawks Bucks. So. Yeah. Big Solomon Hill guy. Uh and he wants to be here. So you you can't have him. No Cam, no Hunter. Uh, I don't really have anybody for you. Uh, I was hoping for Tony Snell. Um, mm. but that was uh, that was Neil O'Shea's big move to keep Dame in Portland for the long haul. So mm. you know can't can't hate on that when when you can be uh, the centerpiece in in the Dame stay case. I, I see why Tony went for that. Hey Tony, shout out to Tony Snell. Um, shot. Uh, you're not gonna believe this. He shot really well from three in Atlanta this past year, but also. My man knows what he is. He is running away from anything not corner threes, and yep. he uh, he gets his cardio in. That's why he stays long and lean. I, I like it. Shout out to Tony Snell. Staying has healthy. It mis- hasn't missed a free throw in 106 years. <laughs> fun, fun stat. It's good. I like it. I like it. Um, you mentioned this, but like, is this like a, a huge issue that you think pops up in the regular season, or do you think it's a postseason problem, the lack of depth and uncertainty with uh, – uh, I, I don't know like I, I'm looking at it and I'm like is Brooke Lopez like is there a chance that Brooke drops off more uh, another year older in this league is he's been asked to do a lot in this system um, Bud's relied on him a lot they, like we've talked about the Brooke drop coverage ad nauseum at this point but like do you think they like you mentioned they're going to add somebody else in the wing most likely but do you still look at the start of the season and you're like I think we should have added some more depth and uh you did not like how they allocated their resources by adding a, a hood and a um grayson allen uh over um prioritizing the the big spot because it looks like a lot is going to be asked of Giannis early on in the season yeah um i, I will say I, I don't hate how they allocated the resources i mean i i just honestly i think it's solely a regular season problem like i, hmm. I don't think I don't think they're going to need anyone like a true center-sized player. I don't think they're going to need another one of those in the playoffs. I mean, okay. Bro- I think Brooke all regular season is going to look slow. That's what happened last year. And I think at this point he's made that Iguodala shift of 
he doesn't really care about the 82. He's prioritizing the 16-game part of the season. So, you know, I think he's going to start and play whatever, 28 minutes a night, and, and there's going to be time. He's going to get blocks and rebounds and, and box out and everything else. He's going to have some fun dunks and take a bunch of threes. But I think there's going to be plays where you and, and I, too, because it happened to me last year, I, I tried to hold out for so long. on He's not washed. He's just saving it. And I, I'd said he's washed, and then he has, you know, one of the greatest blocks ever in the playoffs and just an, an awesome postseason. And obviously that they don't do it without him. He's so good in that playoff run. Um, so I, I think as long as he's healthy, I think he'll be fine when they need him. But I do think, you know, if he does need more games off than he's needed in years past or Giannis, whose knee is, is still bothering him a bit, it seems, if he needs some time off early, which good luck getting him to take it. But if he, if he does need some time off, I just think they could use a body to throw in and soak up some minutes at center. And I think at this point, you know, it sounds like they might just use Bobby Portis, who personally I think is better as as primary a four, not a five, playing with Giannis in particular. But if it's the regular season for a bit, I don't care all that much, quite honestly. Um, and and Mamukela Shvili might Shvili might get to play a bit of center in the regular season too, um, which is not ideal. I mean, he's like the 54th or whatever pick in the draft. Um, which just says usually a lot about a guy's readiness to come in and play. But I, I just don't think they're prioritizing it. And it sounds maybe they're going to play Shemi at the five, which, again, it's the regular season. I don't think that's going to go great, but I'm not going to get too worked up. And I do think if they were to be without Brook for a couple weeks or Giannis without a couple weeks, then maybe we see roster spot 15 utilized to bring in somebody, just a playable big man who they can use. But I, I think they're more they're, they're going to add – either that or a big wing, maybe both. Um, but I think the big wing will be the one that they care about more, and that might be what they look for at the deadline. John Horace, the Bucks GM, almost always, it feels like, makes a deadline trade. I think trying to find another wing defender is probably the move, unless they use that first half of the year and Shemi fits in great and is crushing it, or even Thanasis, I think there's an outside chance, is doing the same. Then maybe they, they ignore it and they don't worry about it, but I do think they're going to look to upgrade because they just always do. Interesting. Um, what kind of action are you most excited about watching early and often this season in the in the Bucks offense? Oh, I always just want to say the Chris Giannis pick and roll, mm. um, but I've just I've been saying it for years, and we finally saw it a bunch, and I felt very vindicated for why I've been saying it for so long because it was pretty unstoppable with the way Chris was making mid range shots, and, and Giannis was just doing everything down low. But honestly. Um, I, I, would, I wouldn't mind to see Giannis initiating more pick and rolls, which I don't exactly expect to happen, but I do think there's something interesting there, especially with another big. But honestly, I'm still excited about all of the Bobby Portis and Giannis front court stuff because I do think the what I was most excited about when they signed Portis the first time before last season was finally Giannis has someone he can play with in the front court who is not as much as him, but athletic and stretchy and bouncy like they really haven't had that many players like that you could kind of count Thon maker but he wasn't playing that much by the time Giannis was you know great player Giannis was good not not really great by the time Thon was requesting a trade I think that was Giannis's first MVP season so just having someone who's that dynamic offensive weapon for him I, I just found really an interesting idea and when they played together, they crushed teams because there's a lot of size and the Bucks love to be big. They love to out-rebound and Portis and Giannis are a pretty potent rebounding combo. 
And obviously, the way Portis spaces the floor, I mean, he shot 46% or something like that from deep in the regular season, was a good shooter in the playoffs too. Very good mid-range shooter, can can take the ball to the rack and dunk it, post up, fade away. So I just think it's hard to cover the Bucks when that's their front court. So as high as I still am on Lopez, I think all the lineups when you're seeing one of Chris and Drew handling the ball and interacting with Giannis and Portis in the front court, that's just a really dynamic offensive group. I think it's going to be continue to be hard for teams to stop them when they're using that personnel. Interesting. True or false? Thonmaker is still in the NBA. False. Do you know which league he now plays professional basketball I, in? I do. This is this is how sickly devoted <laughs> we are to covering blocks on the Eurostep Podcast Network. Mm. I think he just signed in the Israeli league. He did. Yep, yep, Israeli league Don. Uh, joining former Bucks Sean Kilpatrick and I think a couple other former Bucks who are currently in the Israeli league. Interesting. He's still only 24, man. That guy's 24 Probably. years old. Yeah. No, I think I think he is 24. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I wonder a lot if if he never asks out. You know, maybe he is getting real rotation minutes these last couple of years with various players departing and and getting hurt and everything else. Um, I do think it was probably not the greatest idea for him uh, at the time. I didn't think it was a good idea. He wasn't playing much, but it's like. You know, the team is really good. Just wait it out. You might get an opportunity. And he wanted to go and played for a few NBA teams. Didn't really work out. And, yeah, now, you know, never know. It could come back midseason. Someone might take another flyer. But The campaign experience. Bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even P.J. Tucker, who uh, not as not as long in the NBA as those guys at first. But uh, there's a pre- – Ersan Ilyasova, Don Sporting mm. teammate. Maybe he can learn from Ersan. We could all learn from Ersan, at least. We, yeah, we could all learn from Ersan. That's a good point. Um, your favorite lineup for, for Bud to try in the regular season will be what? Ooh, I like this question a lot. Um, on also fellow Blue Wire podcast, Hardwood Knox. With mm, shout out to Dan Favalli, yeah. Yeah, Dan rocks. Um, I, 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 I'll go with the same one I went with because um, I do think it would be a lot of fun. I, I don't know how often we'll see it, but – just the jumbo big lineup of Drew, Chris, Giannis, Bobby, Brooke. Because mm. I think there's just about enough spacing. Um, defensively, it gets a little tenuous, especially if the other team is very small. But, I mean, I just think the Bucks embraced weaponizing their size and, and playing big and physical. And I think that lineup is just absolutely massive. And if you really want to get crazy, you know, if, if you want to sit down Drew for a little bit, throw in Mamu Kalashvili, which is – I don't think we'll ever see that lineup, but – um, you could get pretty nuts with it. But, yeah, they have a lot of interesting big men who I think can find some ways to work together, even if I don't think we're going to see extended Portis, Giannis, Lopez run. Okay. I like it. I like it. Um, last thing, we'll wrap up here. What are your expectations? What do you What do you think ends up being the case for the 2021-2022 Milwaukee Bucks? I think they're going to win a lot in the regular season, even, uh, even with – you know, some some aging concerns and, you know, Drew and Chris had to go win a gold medal right after the season, had to, got to go win a gold medal right after the season. So their offseason is even shorter. Giannis's knee being what it is. I just think they're really good. I think they're going to win a lot of games. I think there's more solid teams in the East, but outside of Brooklyn, I do think, I don't think there's many teams that are going to be dominant in the regular season anymore. So I, I think the Bucks are going to win 60 plus games this year. Um, which, I mean, shouldn't be that. I mean, they're really good. They have an MVP candidate. But I, I think they're either going to 
lose to Brooklyn or win the finals again, honestly, I really do. Like, I, I think when push comes to shove, if the Bucks are healthy, I, I can't see them losing to any of the other teams as they're currently uh, assembled. And I think they could beat Brooklyn. It's possible. They've done it. Even even healthier Brooklyn, I do think it's possible. Uh, I think the Bucks would come into a series better. I think they figured out a lot during that Nets series and even after that Nets series. But uh, I think the Nets could beat anybody if they're healthy and, and they play four really good games. It might just be impossible. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a great season. Hopefully, I'm just hoping – here's my number one – not really, but like one of my number one hopes. Just let Brooklyn and Milwaukee be one and two. I, I don't want their series to be in the semis again. I, I just – I don't like it. No disrespect to your Hawks. Mm. That should be the conference final series. Let the Hawks – take one of these teams to six games in the semis mm-hmm. as they work to get better. And I think the Hawks are probably the closest next up to being on that level. I just don't think they're there yet. Um, so I, I hope Brooklyn and Milwaukee are one and two. So their series can be the Eastern conference finals, assuming they both get there, which you never know in the NBA. Yeah. You, you really don't know the, the nets are just a gigantic wild card. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens there. I don't know. Um, yeah. The Hawks, I would say, <laughs> Zach Lowe, I think, made this point where it's like, I think they're going to be better, but they won't go as far in the postseason. Yeah, it, exactly. And, and there's no shame in that. It's right. just that the, everything lined up. And they deserve so much credit, I think, for beating Philly and pushing the Bucks. Mm. But I do think you look at the East, and it's it's we know the best two going in. We'll just see if, if it ends up that way. I think with Philly seemingly dismantled, it probably will. But maybe the Hawks continue winning like they were after the All-Star break. I think what we all can agree on, especially your listeners, yourself the blue wire pod network is that if trey doesn't step on his ankle um that bucks hawk series goes completely differently um if cam is allowed to cook for a a seven game situation like the the atlanta milwaukee series completely flips i think in uh atlanta's favor correct yeah um if if you want (laughs) to uh maintain the other the other injury status Mm. of that series the same and i think uh i don't know maybe could be could be onto something there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no i i don't know i think it's gonna be interesting i think the hawks have real injury stuff that they're hiding at the moment um deandre hunter really really scares me Uh, i think his knee might just be bad and he's someone that i would be absolutely terrified about paying and then you have trey young's quotes where it's like cam's the like his favorite guy to play with and sees the most potential and camps worked on a shooting and i'm a big big cam reddish guy so we'll see but they don't have time to develop anybody that's why shreve cooper is not a long-term guy and people get excited about it. it's like lou's taking him under his wing shreve cooper is going to be off this team in eight months like this is not how this works basketball you do not develop a third point guard and then he just rides it out for five years and then moves up no he's going to bounce around the league he's playing for 14 teams and then like i i don't know like i just it's a lot of guys. Herder, it looks like his deal will get done before before the season gets started. But Collins is back. Capella is dealing with some Achilles pain, which is scary. He's gotten proton, PRP, whatever that treatment is. Not a doctor, folks. And yeah, then yeah. Uh, Anyek will be back in January, who was just amazing in the postseason. So I'm excited to get him back. But it's a lot of pieces, a lot of mouths to feed. And I don't know. I, I think uh, they should be better. But there are a lot of injury stuff. And... A lot of roster construction questions that I'm excited to figure out what happens because, as as you know, Ty, the East is Atlanta's for the taking for, for the foreseeable future. They, they're in a good position. I will say this is a team where I agree with you. I think and maybe, maybe the health stuff will resolve it a little bit for them, but 
if they're all healthy, I think it's it's actually really hard to play the amount like the guys minutes they probably deserve. Like mm-hmm. they almost have, which it sounds stupid to even consider that a negative, and I think it's a really good problem. But I, I think it is, uh, it can be a difficult thing to manage. I will say the Hawks, if they were able to make like a real consolidation trade, like two or three of the guys who are like, oh, intriguing young guy, but not a, a star, and got someone like that. I mean, I I think Dame is a really weird fit with Trey, but someone like Beal or, or like well that. hold on hold on hold on I knew you were gonna go Beal um I'm out on Beal don't want him anywhere near yeah, Atlanta yeah, anymore yeah. like Beal I, I hate that he would did this and I've been wondering if that's where they were consolidating and they were just like we can sell high and move a bunch of pieces for Trey and or to like pair with Trey to yeah, really get yeah. to that final level but I don't want any part like I, I, Towns, I I'm out that. How about that? Carl Towns. Someone yeah. on that level. A guy on that level who is not that much. I mean, Beal's kind of old, too. Towns is... I mean, what? To, Beal's 27, isn't he? Yeah, well, compared to Trey and, and Towns, he's kind of I guess. Uh, well, um, Towns is in year seven. I mean, Towns has been around for a little bit. Um, I don't know if Trey would love playing with Towns. I don't know if Trey would... Uh, Trey is just like a... Um, he, he's a warrior, and he loves being the villain, and he... True. Trey has a lot more Jimmy Butler in him than he does uh, D'Angelo Russell, I will say. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to disagree with you on that one. I, I will say I didn't I didn't know that to be the case before the postseason. I think Trey showed me a lot, and I really liked what I saw when he wasn't shrugging against my basketball team. You had to like it a little bit. It's still cool, even when it happens it to your team, it right? A, yeah, it was all right. <laughs> Ty, how do we check out your work across the Blue Wire Podcast Network? Um what can we look out for you this week? Yeah, this week, um, really just more more preview content. So Eurostep Podcast Network, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, and there's also a YouTube uh, under the same name. And there's a Substack where we send out all the content because we're doing so much across platforms. And we have some original written content as well. Some of my herd cover, Wisconsin Herd, the G League team has been there and, and other articles. I wrote about Ben Simmons before. It was cool a couple mm. weeks ago. Um, telling people to stop comparing him to Giannis, but um, to find it all, you can go to bit.ly slash find GSPN. That'll show you the pod feed wherever you listen. There you go. There you go. Well, keep up the great work, sir. Always great checking in on the Bucks and the NBA. Good luck this season to an extent. To an extent. <laughs> Not at the expense of the Hawks, but either way, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to another fun season. And uh, don't be a stranger, sir. I won't, Chase. Thanks so much for having me. It was a great time as always. All right, we are back on this Tuesday edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am joined by Part B Football Head Coach down there in Lilburn, Georgia. Coach Eric Godfrey. Coach, you're back. I have the the part view helmet along with I'll I'll whisper this the the Brookwood helmet right next to it on on my office wall at the moment. Uh, thank you again for the helmet. I it, it's great. I, I geeked out over it, and Absolutely. this is our first. Hopefully, yeah, that's what I hope the part view helmets in a better location. They're just facing off. It, <laughs> I have them facing each other. I have like it, it looks like a you know just the the rivalry. Cat uh, clash, you know, on the Corky Tail graphics and all that kind of stuff, where they're butting heads. I think that's the way it should be. I love it. Um, yes, absolutely. Well, I do have a bone to pick with you as we get started here, Coach. Yeah, I uh, I'm seeing a lot of blue this fall. Seeing a lot of blue on the sideline for these Part B Panthers. You wore blue pants against Tucker over the weekend. I saw. 
I thought we nipped this yeah. in the bud. I thought we got rid of the blue. I thought we agreed too much blue right. in the orange. Right, yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> we do not have blue jerseys. We do not have blue. We have just orange and white jerseys now. Okay, but, uh, baby steps. Blue pants. Yeah, they're, they're too nice to get rid of. So. The blue pants do look good. <laughs> that's, uh, right, that's right. We, we don't have, we got like the no blue jerseys though. There you go. Baby steps, baby <laughs> steps. Um, that's right, that's right. How is practice going this week? Uh, big week ahead, um, and uh, we'll get to the calendar. But uh, what uh, what how is practice looking this week, and how's it looked uh, as of late? Right, yeah. Well, I think what's what's crazy is the last two weeks, the first two weeks, we've been able to have full practices mm-hmm. uh, all the way from heat to to weather. Um, you know, we, at the beginning in August, as soon as we started full pads, is when it got hot. Like, all of July was mild. I mean, it like wasn't even hot in July. And then August rolled around when the first chance we get to go full pad. And we got knocked down to one hour. Uh, you know, one hour with nothing on or two hours with, you know, shells only. And so we're limited on practice time. Uh, and then uh, the weeks that uh, it wouldn't be too hot, it would just it would just rain and rain and rain. Uh, and we don't have turf here yet. So, uh, you know, if it's downpouring too much, we're just out there in the mud. Mm. So uh, the last two weeks, though, we've been able to have full practice the last two weeks, which has been great. And we got beautiful weather again this week. So uh, it's good to we finally feel like we're trying to you know trying to fall into some kind of routine here. So have you had a lot of disruptions this fall with with week to week practice? Uh, right. Yeah. 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 Just like all the way just from the uh, the wet bowl protocols of yeah. uh, you know the heat and the humidity uh, down to lightning. I did be a beautiful huh. day out and we walk outside in twenty minutes. Boom, lightning. Like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> uh, so it has it has been frustrating on that end as far as getting to practices, all that kind of stuff. But like I said, last two weeks have been good, and uh, this week looks looks beautiful as well. What's been better about preparing this fall versus last fall? Right. Uh, <clears throat> well, just being able to have all, being able to meet as a team. Mm-hmm. You know, last fall we could do zero team meetings. Um, we you know literally had no chance to build any kind of relationships, no chance to. Uh, you know, really, you know, mentor kids. You know, we have an NG3 character program, and we couldn't do any of that kind of stuff last year. And uh, because it was basically show up and get out, show up and get out. Literally, we're having to kick my locker. We've only been allowed, allowed in the locker room for nine minutes, uh, you know, from different protocols and all that kind of stuff. So, and now, I mean, it really is as close to back to normal as possible. Um, you know, obviously, we're still, you know, following, you know, some protocols, that kind of stuff. But uh, we can meet as a team. I mean, we can, you know, we can practice, we can go our full times. It's, uh, it's as close to as normal as we've had pre-COVID. Interesting. I, I don't know where they come up with like nine seconds and stuff like that. That's that's wild. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the base where they said you know, the 15-minute contact, uh-huh. I just said nine minutes. Okay, we're just going to keep it at nine minutes. That way there's no question. Okay. Just get in and out. I mean, you know, just, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, um, yeah. With the time away, you've had a lot of time to think this summer, this spring. Did you add any new drills for, for this fall did you did you change anything about the way you practiced this fall and this summer versus the last couple of years right yeah every year we you know we'll go to we'll go to clinics and actually I went to Texas this year for a clinic and it was it was really good hmm. and uh, you know just trying to pick stuff trying to pick up stuff different from you know from good high school coaches from college coaches from NFL guys just you know really really from whoever um, like they're just trying to pick up good good stuff from them. And uh, so anytime we see something that fits well within our program that uh, that is good that somebody else does, uh, you know, we, we try to jump. We try to uh, include that and do that. 
Um, you know, just just one thing was our two-way players. Talking about special teams, during while we're on uh, doing special teams, our two-way players will go to the, the position, that I guess, that's not their priority position. Uh, so they'll go do individual with their non-priority position while we're doing uh, special teams. And uh, one of the coaches in Texas talked about doing that, and now that was a big time saver for him. And he tries to not put those two-way players on uh, on very many special teams so that they can get that individual time during special teams. And then we have incorporated that, and that, that's been really good for us. Interesting. Um, were you able to add a lot more offensive installs this summer in this fall camp versus versus last year? Right, yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, we walked into – Game one last year, uh, still trying to install basic stuff. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, we missed pretty much the whole summer. We're shut down for July. And, uh, you know, so we didn't have very much. I had a new quarterback. You know, it was, it was, it was kind of crazy and all that. Then. So, yeah, this year has been has been really good as far as, you know, walking into game one with, uh, you know, we got, you know, all of our base stuff and feeling good about it. And uh, we got to have our uh, summer padded camps. And so we got to do so much more. And we really have – it has been able to – allow us to do more on both sides of the ball for sure have the kids grasped it well have they like was there some rest of all like oh yeah we can we can have an expansive playbook we can have all this stuff and this is this is normal did because it was really just almost two years um removed from that for some of these guys right correct no yeah you're right yes yeah and that's i want to say yes and no um yes the the older kids which we don't have very many we are a very very young team hmm. the older kids are you know of course you know grabbing it and rolling and uh, we're, we're we're starting 13 sophomores and one freshman Wow, which is uh, not good for seven. Yeah, not good for seven A football in the state of Georgia. Um, we we have to be the we might be the youngest team in the state. Period in all classifications, but definitely for seven A, uh, there's no question. Uh, wow. So so a lot of our young kids. Yeah yeah no doubt. Yeah so a lot of our young kids. You know are are uh, you know, as we add new stuff, they just they got to have you know high rep kids. You know they need more reps, and so we're not add able to add as much as quickly because. Uh, again, the more we add, the more opportunity for bust, and uh, you won't see it in games. You know, some wrong routes, some wrong coverages, that kind of stuff. So, uh, so we do have to kind of take it slower, if you will, on the installs and all that kind of stuff. Just uh, making sure that they're they're good at what they do, and uh, and a lot of that just has to do with youth. Now, there's some very very good football players. I mean, we've got I think five of those kids, four or five of them, you know, have have you know power five offers, and they're going to be really good football players. We're just just very very young. They're getting younger and younger when they're offering these kids. Like the, I was, I was reading uh, it. it, it, it <laughs> I'm sure you have some thoughts on that. Yeah, I can't. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I can't stand it. I, yeah. I don't think they should be able to offer any kid until after, uh, until after after their sophomore uh, season of football. Yeah, there should not be an offer because high school boys change, develop so much, mm-hmm. so it leads to all these fake offers. It leads to colleges just saying, "Hey, we're going to offer you. You can't commit." We just want you to know we're going to be recruiting you. And then that's all it means. It, yeah. So it's not really even an offer. I don't even tell them that. But, yeah, oh, yeah, but you can put on Instagram all the time if you got off from us. <laughs> but you can't commit. I, you know, it makes it makes no sense. Uh, I said it drives me crazy. And what really drives crazy, you know, kids compare and look. And, oh, mm-hmm. man, this guy's got an offer. You know, and then they don't know what is a real offer and what, mm-hmm. what the committable, the non-committable offer and, I think that most any freshman and sophomore who gets an offer is pretty much non-committable. Uh, the colleges won't accept them commit to commit. So I don't even know why they even offer at that point in time. I should uh, send you that athletic piece um, this week. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a few freaks that I'm sure are, are committable, but not very many. 
No. And it gives these big time programs a, a way of just at throwing a bunch of offers out, even if they don't really mean anything. And it's just, uh, just to get on their radar and just, it, it doesn't mean anything. And just to put their name on it and like, Hey, we're looking, um, but things could change obviously right. depending on his junior and senior year and what their classes look like. And now with the portal being in play, like certain colleges may, have this idea and then they change the coaching staff and then they're just like we're gonna go portal 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 so we don't need as many high school kids so your offers rescinded like we're seeing that um a lot right now of just like these schools choosing the transfer portal over high school kids like there is a dearth um for a lot of these kids it looks like um in the immediate future no yeah you're right and and it's gonna affect the next three years Mm -hmm. Uh, i was thinking like i knew it would affect this senior class and uh it, it was neat College coaches actually started coming back through, so I had several come back through last week, and it was hmm. great. Uh, last Thursday, Friday, and um, do you want to say who? It was good season, but then, uh, but then they were even talking about it's going to affect the next three years because we got these guys on our roster uh, for an extra year than playing, mm-hmm. uh, and we said the same thing with the transfer portal, and said it's just it's, it's getting tougher for high school kids, which uh, which you know I hate that for them, sucks for them. Yeah, I should send you the athletic piece from this week on New Jersey high school recruiting. Um, They're doing different pinpoints. They're probably going to land in uh, Georgia soon, I'm going to guess. There's a lot of talent in Georgia, so I'm going to guess they're going to do some reporting on Georgia high school recruiting. But they talked to like seven different anonymous high school coaches with relative degrees of success and 30 years within the program and who they liked and who they trusted and who they didn't. But something that they all echoed that you agree that you just echoed was that the just the change of offering these kids at eight, eighth grade ninth grade and giving kids offers who've never played a snap and like how that affects the locker room right. of kids who've been playing and busting their tail for three years they don't have an offer or they have lesser offers and then this kid who is sitting behind them on the depth chart just is athletic an athletic looking freak that he gets a power five offer and it just like how do you explain that to those kids and they've had trouble explaining it and that i that's a real fallout that i think a lot of people miss and this is i I don't know what there's no answer for me like i don't know how you explain that to them right now yeah you are exactly right yeah no you're 100 right and i I think 98 percent of all college coaches don't like the early offers mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, but they all kind of feel like, well, we got to keep up with this person, we got to keep up with that person, um, which is crazy. But you look at Georgia, Clemson, Alabama, you know, they're not offering kids until they're after their sophomore year of yeah. high school football. But uh, but I guess everybody else feels like they got to offer earlier to try to compete and keep up with those guys. I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you and just everything you said is, is so true. I mean, you know, so true that. Uh, yeah, just because the kid looks good or runs good at a camp, oh man, we mm. offer him just so he knows we're looking at him, even though it's not really an offer, and uh, he might be a terrible football player. Yeah, but if he put he performs well sure. at a at a clinic, that's all that matters. Right. Yeah, and, yeah, you put pads on him, and he just he's not you know not real good. Uh, and then those kids also then they have disappointments in their senior year when they don't have the offers that they thought they had, and so I'm mean, at least the disappointments for everybody. Like I said, the guy in front of them, and then even to that kid who ends up not getting to go to that school that he thinks he can go to. Uh, That leads to a lot of disappointments for sure. It's tough, man. I mean, I think the portal will settle down after four to five years. I think there's going to be a lot of, lot of the grass is not always greener tails. And I think, yes, I agree. Things will mellow out. I just think it's going to be crazy for a little while, but it's like all things. It's going to, it's going to even out and it's going to, it's going to become normalized and i think a lot more kids will end up staying just because they'll hear about their friend or this guy oh yeah he left their program and this is what happened 
Um, yeah. We just don't have yeah. that yet. You can't point to anything, really, that, like, once this player left, this is what happened. So we'll see. We'll see. But I'm, I'm not all that worried about that. Um, something I, I talked to Rob McKenzie of GoJackets.com yesterday, and obviously Georgia Tech played in Mercedes-Benz, where y'all played at this, this season. And he talked yeah. about the players just being more ramped up like college kids just being more ramped up and that played a role into just their confidence and just really steamrolling a good you know uh, university of north carolina team when you were in the dome like what was that like for you did you see the kids just being kind of mesmerized by playing in such a crazy gigantic alien looking stadium and just keeping the kids engaged and like here's what we're doing here's like were they more ramped up or were they more like looking all around like how do, how does that work when you're bringing a team especially at the opener a young team and just be like hey pretend that you're not playing in an nfl stadium and focus on what we're what the, what the task is at hand because we have a very very good football team in front of us right now right no yeah you're, you're exactly right and what everything you said right there and that's what's neat about high school kids is uh you know we're dealing from kids all the way from you know from 14 to 18 mm-hmm. and uh, of course the majority of our kids are 15 years old playing uh, and uh so a bunch of kids, you know, first time taking a varsity snap in this big old nice stadium. And, and uh, it's funny because you get all kinds of different sides of, you know, some of them are amped and ready. Some of them are mesmerized. You know, some of them, this is a little too big for me right mm-hmm. now. You know, all of those different feelings. Uh, but what's great about that experience is the next time we have a chance to play in an atmosphere like that, it, it will be different. Uh, you know, just the whole experience and seeing it. And uh, and I'll tell you, and I, and I watched the second half of that Georgia Tech game, and that was a fun game to watch. Georgia Tech looked looked great and then I had great energy and uh, all those kind of things and then uh, I said playing in the bins it does it does help with uh as far as uh you know energy and uh you know wanting to play well I mean it's, it's a ginormous stadium and of course they had a lot more fans than uh, than a high school has but uh but still it was a it was a great experience for our kids uh for them to go through and get to be a part of 147 points for 158 against for the Panthers to this point, Coach. Um, about a negative nine-point differential, but with the young team, is this about what you expected going into this year? Would you be comfortable if you had told Coach Godfrey before the season that this would be where you're at in points scored and points against? Right, yeah. I, you know, I wish we'd have given up less points, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, we want to score even more points, you know. So, uh, you know, never satisfied, I guess, if you will. But, uh, but honestly, you know, three and three, and with the schedule that we've played, um, you know, a couple top ten teams and uh, competed with everybody. You know, Mill Creek got away from us in the second half, uh, which they're you know they're a phenomenal team this year. Uh, I said that. So as far as far as you know, record all that kind of stuff, we knew it was going to be tough going. You know, these young guys, this kind of stuff. But at some point, we also know that you know, we got a team that can compete with all these guys as well. And it's as far as uh, you know, mature and have some mental toughness to play a full forty-eight minutes. You know, right now we're kind of stuck at. Uh, we'll play a great first half, and then we'll have the mental uh, toughness to finish in the second half. Uh, or, example, last week we didn't play very well in the first half, and then we played phenomenal in the second half. And uh, like I said, and a lot of that has to do with youth and uh, lack of leadership, if you will, and lack of mental toughness. And so we've been working hard the last you know two three weeks to truly try to develop that. You know, again, first time we've been able to have full weeks of practice, which is crazy. Uh, and uh, so we're hoping that, you know, walking into region week this week that we're going to play a full 48 minutes, full four quarters. And if we do that, we'll play a very heavy senior team out of Newton County who's very good. Uh, but we can come out on top if we're able to do that. What do you like most about the, the matchup with Newton? 
oh man, uh, they're a little more one dimensional, um, which, you know, allows us to be able to, you know, add another guy to the box. And, um, we feel like our DBs can cover their receivers and, uh, and we need an extra guy in the box. You know, again, being young as we are, I always said, if you put 18 year old and a 15 year old in the fight, uh, I don't even have to look at him. I'm gonna pick the 18 year old. Um, you know, just, you know, being more physically mature, and mm-hmm. you take a teenage boy with three more years of of growth and development on him. Uh, you know, that that's a big, big difference in the life of a teenager. And uh, so we need the extra hat in the box to be able to make to make tackles. And then uh, you know, defensively they're very sound, but we we have some phenomenal athletes on offense and a and a, an incredible quarterback. And uh, so hopefully we can take advantage and. Uh, move the ball and score some points. We're going to have to score some points. And being as young as we are on defense, we're just not as as thick and as much girth and as strength as, as we need to have to play seven eight football right now. So, but uh, but again, if we, if we play if we play like we're fully capable of, then we can compete with anybody. There you go. There you go. Um, well, you mentioned your quarterback. Um, what have you liked yeah. about him this season? What has he done well? What has he picked up? What what excites you about him long term? Yeah, I'll tell you, what, what he has really done, and him understanding, too, you know, we have both of our offensive tackles are sophomores and our center is a freshman. Mm. So, so he, you know, we, you know, let him know early on, you know, the pocket might break down. It might break down early. You're going to have to use your feet and create time. And he has done a great job of using his feet to, uh, to create time. And, our, and we have some, like, some very talented receivers. We don't have a single senior receiver, one junior, and the rest are sophomores. Uh, but, again, they're all, they're all talented. And they've done a great job of, of uh, you know doing scramble drills and continuing the routes and uh, like I said, and Colin is finding receivers downfield and um, you know we, we've thrown for a lot of yards so far. Uh, we haven't we haven't you know always caught the ball as well. And again, you know, that comes to a, a mental toughness and focus because uh, because the ability is definitely there, the skill is definitely there. And uh, so like I said, Colin's done a great job of creating more time in the pocket. Is it more yak or is it more actual time to get the ball down the field through the air? Yeah, more time to get the ball down the field through the air. The last hmm. two games, he has done a lot better job of of running and uh, you know gaining positive yards, running and taking care of his body, all that kind of stuff. Uh, he's done that much better the last two weeks. But uh, but it, you know, we continue with his arm and the you know our receivers we got that can uh, go up and get a ball. You know we're 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 trying to push to get that ball downfield. What are most teams throwing at you? Is it pre- is it a lot of press man? Is it single high safety? What are most people throwing at you? You found this year. Right, yeah, I tell you what, well, the team that uh, that threw, you know, went cover zero pretty much the whole time. We uh, we threw four touchdown passes <laughs> and uh, you know had a lot, a lot of passing yards. You know, now mm. we're again having to get rid of the ball in a hurry and uh, Colin having to use his feet because they had got the box loaded up and put a lot of pressure on us in a hurry. But uh, you know, really made those guys, you know, you know, pay right there. Um, you know, just two weeks ago. Uh, we had we had our best rushing game because mm-hmm. the way they played, you know, they, they tried to just take away all pass and uh, allow us to run the ball. So um, that that's really probably the only team that has really said, "Hey, we're gonna uh, we're gonna focus heavily on the pass and not very much on the rush." And uh, you know, for the, the rest of the teams have uh, you know always try to be a little more balanced. Other than those two, those other those two were extreme teams. The rest of them have been pretty balanced, trying to make sure they got every ha- extra hat for the pass. Um, but not leave the box too bare. So, uh, like I said, so we, we we're okay if they give us one extreme or the other. Then we feel like we can uh, we get an advantage. If you go into into the practice room uh, this afternoon and you're like, hey, in the field house, and you're like, hey, Colin, uh, we need you under center for for 30 snaps this weekend. How do you feel about it? 
What it what does his face do? Right eye. Uh, <laughs> He said, if that helps us win, let's go. Uh, you know, I mean, really, he does. You know, mm. he is, he's about winning and yeah. not really about himself. And so that, so that's what's, you know, pretty neat about him. Now, he, he gets very upset, you know, if, he, if he's not, you know, throwing the ball well or even hey, if we ain't protecting very well. Yeah. You know, you can see it, man. He, he, he'll, he'll let the line know. Uh, you know, a very, very competitive kid. But uh, but he's not all about him and fat. Um, he is about the team and winning. That's good. Um, give me some helmet stickers. If you had to, you had to plant some stickers for some kids on your in your team right now to this point in the season. Who who's who's shine the brightest for you uh, this season? That you would just be like, man, this this kid, he is he's played a pivotal role for for keeping us moving this season. Yes, absolutely. Uh, a wide receiver, Zion Taylor. Uh, he has been. He is. He's a junior. So he's. What's funny is he's one of our older kids on our team. Uh, he has been he has been phenomenal. He has done a great job as far as just running routes, catching the ball, competing for the ball. Uh, you know, I mean, he has really really good stats because I mean, he is basically he has made almost every play that's come his way, and uh, and it's been neat to hear other schools talk about him, other coaches that kind of stuff. Uh, he's been a big big difference maker for us at wide receiver. And then uh, we have another kid, a sophomore, uh, Kyer Spain, linebacker and running back, and he's a sophomore. Man, he's he scored several touchdowns for us. He flies around on defense. Uh, he is the Energizer Bunny and, uh, <laughs> and just a thick, strong kid with a great attitude. And um, you know, a motor doesn't stop. Uh, you know, he, he has been phenomenal for us. Um, like this, so really, those two have really kind of stuck out. I guess, if you will, is uh, man, we could we couldn't do without those two. And of course, our quarterback. You know, like I said, you know, versus North Gwinnett. Yeah, we probably score zero points if we don't have him. Um, the way they were bringing their front seven. Um, your favorite play call to this point this season, do you have one that stands out in your mind? Oh, man. Um, well, I, I, our most consistent that we uh, throw and catch is probably uh, in, in being a, a deeper ball is our, our crossing route. We've got a smash on one side and a crossing route mm-hmm. on the other side. And uh, So if we can get a too high look, then, uh, you know, we like to smash. We give one eye, you know. So, I mean, it's, but the crossing route really has been good. We got two receivers that do a good job of running those routes and finding open, basically a deep dig, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really a dig, but same, almost same concept. But they do a great job of uh, like the finding grass, and the quarterback sees it well, and uh, and he's got such a strong arm, he can zip it between two linebackers if needed. And uh, that that's probably been our most consistent deep ball route that has gotten us out of some junk and some third and longs. Interesting. Um, I like that Tucker and Loganville were on the on the schedule this year. Do, would you like to have that those two stops be be on the calendar more often? Yeah, I, I really would. And Loganville already told us they're not playing us anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're not going to play us anymore. I hope we get to keep playing Tucker. That's been really good. You know, Tucker's in our backyard right here. Um, you know, we basically border each other. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that's that's been really good. It's been it's been fun to do. We have a you know, a lot of people who live in Parkview, you know, the parents and that kind of stuff went to Tucker and mm-hmm. so uh you know, it's just pretty neat. You know, we had some dads, you know, bring out their Tucker jackets, you know, and so uh you know, so it's pretty neat. That's pretty you know, we're hoping we continue that rivalry right there. And uh yeah, it'd be it'd be good to keep them on our schedule. Loganville, Red Devils, what are you doing? Don't run scared from from the part you aren't. Exactly. What are you what are you doing? Come on. <laughs> it's a challenge rise up back next, he knows what we have coming back next year too so he's you know 
<laughs> he's he's like I need uh, I need some more Akron, some Bowling Greens in my calendar. I don't need to. That's right. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes. <laughs> I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Um, when you I, I don't want to look ahead too much, but you still do have Grayson on the calendar very soon. Yep. How do you match up with Grayson um, when you're looking at the matchup right now? How do you feel about it? What are what are your thoughts on on Grayson? Yeah, you know we we have two very similar teams. They're young as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, it's crazy. It's kind of scary how similar we both are. Uh, you know, they're a good football team, a young football team. Uh, I'd say, you know, we're, we're comparing each other. Our offense is better than their offense, and their defense is better than our defense. Uh, just kind of the way it sits right now. Um, not saying that their offense can't be better than our offense, and not saying our defense can't be better than their defense. Uh, you know, just kind of sitting by, you know, stats and scores and. Uh, production. Uh, that's that's how it would be how it be said and rated right now. Um, but our, and our kids are going to play extra motivated. Uh, we got to throw against them this summer, and it was really really good for us. And uh, seeing our kids' energy, and so uh, you know, it's a game that they really really want to uh, win. And uh, it's going to take a great effort. I say because on defensively wise, they are they're a very very good defensive team. I I really appreciate you getting Brookwood back on on the last game of the schedule. Um, I, I know that was you, Coach Godfrey. I know that uh, you made sure to get that back where it belonged. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, or like, what, what are you most looking forward to about uh, facing off with Coach Jones again this year? Right, absolutely. Well, you know, we gave one away last year. That's yeah, probably he only, reminded me of it. Honestly, one of the, yeah. Oh my gosh, that second half for us was one of our worst halves of football we had the whole season last year, and it was. Uh, honestly, embarrassing for me too. I mean, it's a game we should have won. And book was good too. Now we, we were exceptionally good last year. Mm. Uh, not the game that we should like that we should have won. Um, so uh, you know, looking looking at this year, they got a lot of their players back, and they're a very good football team. And here we are sitting, you know, super young. Uh, it's going to be on TV. Uh, oh, nice TV uh, televising the game. So you know, a whole lot of pride at stake. You know, it's the Brookwood Parkview game. It's going to be on TV and. Uh, it's another game that, again, you know, will be great energy. And that's one thing our young players they have a hard time kind of uh, creating, uh, I guess, false energy, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you got a game like Grayson, you got a game like Brookwood, there is no false energy. I mean, it, it, it's pretty amped up, and um, it makes me feel a whole lot better, but honestly, about playing those games. Because I know, I know what we're going to get from our kids, and it's going to be, you know, a, a great effort. There you go. Last question, and we'll wrap up here, Coach. Did you watch Titletown High? I I have not, and so many people have told me about it. Mm-hmm. You got to watch it. You got to watch it. You got to watch it. And uh, I just, they've told me the stories and over and over. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I'm not a big uh, television watcher anyway. Uh-huh. But uh, maybe one day I'll get around to it. <laughs> it's it's great. I I just uh, hey, that's what they said. Everybody said it's really good. Yeah. It, I I just I mean I'm not going to get you in trouble. So I I. I <laughs> But there were there were some thoughts about this one. I I just it it's incredible. It, it's it. I wish that they do a different team every year. I I would do it. Um, coach, thank you so much for the time. Uh, go support it for the the local listeners. Go check out Parview this fall. Not just because it's my alma mater, but because high school football is great. I'm still uh, attending different games here in East Tennessee. That I will say the talent differential is not not close to to what the state of georgia is producing um it with what i've seen kids play hard but it's just different and uh, i will see walter nolan though this friday the big kid defensive tackle okay, yeah. uh powell B- 
big, big kid. So I'm excited to see how he wrecks. So I'll just be watching offensive line play. Uh, I won't be following the ball as much on uh, Friday. I'll be following the, the line. But yeah, go do that. Support Parview Panthers and the GHSA and the season. Coach, good luck the rest of the way. You got this. Newton, Grayson, Brookwood. Seem it, it's a cakewalk in my in my estimation. Uh, yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Godfrey, stay safe out there. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Great, thank you, Chase. Really appreciate it. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah. <laughs>